0: Welcome to Update One, the podcast of the National Press Club in Washington, D.C. Update One provides a forum for listeners to learn about national stories focusing on news, politics, and current events. Now, the latest edition of Update One. Welcome, I'm Mike Hempen of the Associated Press. I'm also a member of the Broadcast Podcast Committee here at the Press Club. I'm joined in the studio by fellow Press Club member, David Hawkins, who's part of a new journalism initiative called The Firewall. David, welcome to Update One. So happy to be here. Now, you're a veteran DC journalist. You've been a reporter, an editor, a columnist, mainly covering Congress. You've done this for 3 decades now and recently you were the senior editor of CQ Roll Call. You're giving up all this to start a new publication called The Firewall. What was your thinking?
1: Well, the thinking is that uh, in my as you say, I've been covering uh, Congress and I've been a press club member since uh, I think 1989 and back in 1989 when I first started covering the Hill, uh, it, it functioned. It worked. Uh, you know, The system worked more or less. This sounds a little naive, maybe, but more or less like the civics textbooks told you it was going to function. Uh, members talked to each other. Uh, money, the money chase was did not uh, consume people's days. Deals got made. People talked to each other uh, civilly. Um, congressional districts were drawn to be pretty fair to both sides. That was in the late 80s and early 90s. And my career at CQ and Roll Call has been one of watching democracy get more and more broken. Uh, and so uh, it just struck me that this is an under, a really an undercovered story. This is not, I should hasten to add right from the start, when we talk about our slogan at the firewall is sort of, journalism in the defense of democracy or 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 decoding the campaign to fix the democracy this is not a this is not a publication created out of whole cloth just to cover the current situation in Washington the current administration all the challenges that the Trump administration may be bringing to democratic norms that's not what the, that's not what this is about what this is about is that that my colleagues and I who were starting this see democracy as really weakened and see the campaigns to fix this – to fix the system as somewhat undercovered uh, and the notion is that there are lots of voters out there who – who tell pollsters that they see the government as broken. It actually ranked, there was one exit poll in which this issue ranked third behind immigration and health care uh, as the issue that drove people to the polls in the midterm was fixing the broken democracy. But yet it doesn't seem like th- these stories are getting enough coverage. So that that's our aim is to, is to cover it more.
0: Now, along those lines, the broken democracy, in your opinion, was there any one incident or event oh. that led you to think, Hey, it's time to do something different. Uh,
1: great, great question. No, I don't think it was one I- uh, incident. It was, it was sort of, sort of looking back at my clips is really what it was. <laughs> it was, it was getting to to a point in my career at CQ and Roll Call where I was thinking, you know, is it, it's, it's time for a new adventure? It's time to do something new and different. I got one more big thing in me, you know, and I was sort of being a little bit nostalgic about what I'd been writing about, and I realized, you know, pl- the place is really broken. Uh, so I wrote, sort of, I wrote sort of a big farewell piece for Roll Call last summer uh, about why Congress is broken, and I came up with what I call the, the, the mnemonic of the five Ms. Why is it broken? Money, maps, media, some of it is our fault. Uh, what I call mingling, which is members of Congress don't know each other anymore. And the fifth one was masochism, which is that con- mem- too many members of Congress run against Congress, and then they think they got to get to Washington and still keep hammering on the institution that they just spent millions of dollars of other people's money to join. So I wrote this piece, um, and to be honest, it it resonated in out there in the world a little bit. Um, and... A not-for-profit organization. In interest of full disclosure, we're being incubated by a not-for-profit organization that actually advocates to fix democracy. It's called Issue One. Uh, they are our incubator, and the and the the guy who runs Issue One, a guy named Nick Peniman, called me up and said, "I read your piece. I've got this idea. Would you like to talk about
0: it?" And. And six months later, we'd raised enough money to make it happen. So now we're off and running. You mentioned in 89 when you started that democracy pretty much worked the way it's supposed to and how it's steadily gone downhill. When do you think it really became broken?
1: Right about the time that I was starting covering. I mean, I, I do think that the um, you know the campaign campaign, The the partisanship that was created uh, with the contract with America, uh, with Newt Gingrich, Uh, Newt Gingrich, you know, he's he was a brilliant man. He had lots of brilliant ideas. One of one of his, you know, one of his central ideas was was toppling the old order. And that wasn't just the old Democratic order. He wanted to remake uh, Congress in a different way. It was it, and and it w- became a more partisan place during the contract with America. That intensified under the in the Clinton years. It intensified again under impeachment. It had already begun a little bit even bef- before I got to Washington, presumably with the the start of the judicial wars with with Robert Bork. Intensified uh, with Clarence Thomas. Um, but for this brief period after September 11th, I would say the the trend line has been a pretty steady one where with each passing year, uh, the, the, two, the tied 2000 election accelerated things. I'm interrupting myself here. With each passing year, each passing Congress, the place has become more polarized, more money driven, uh, less civil. Um, and I don't I, you know, and you can look back. And, and pick out a dozen different sort of big instances where that was happening. But just each new year has built on the past. There's been no turning
0: back. I know you have some big plans for the firewall. And we've been talking national politics, but actually you're also going to be covering state and local politics. Right. So theoretically, any precinct or district in the country could wind up being covered by the firewall.
1: I I would hope so. I I would hope so. We're hoping to, you know, I think I think a lot of the efforts um, to address the issues of the broken democracy are not taking place in Washington. Yes, it is true uh, that this new Congress, this new Democratic House, has this comprehensive uh, bill that they they say would would fix many of the issues that I think most people who think democracy is in trouble uh, are talking about voting rights gerrymandering money in politics. That bill is going to go through the Democratic House sometime in the next couple of months. It's a dead letter in the in the Senate. While that is happening, uh, there are lots of issues, lots of people out in the states that are trying to fix the system. This past year, this past midterm year, when people were focusing on control of Congress, there were maybe a dozen ballot initiatives that were approved that you would say were aims to improve the functioning of democracy in various states. Four more states, for example, took uh, the, the process of drawing political maps, political map making, which has become a highly partisan power grab kind of thing, took that away from the politicians and turned it over to nonpartisan actors. There were several more states that added public financing mechanisms to, st- to some um, uh, state and local uh, races. Uh, there were others that created more ethics committees. So there are, there are about a dozen states that did important, important things. We think going into the 2020 cycle that that's going to continue even if Congress makes a lot of noise this year but ends up not doing anything. Now, we're based here. We don't have a whole lot of money yet to open you know, bureaus around the country or to even send too many people out. So we are going to be relying uh, on our colleagues in the local journalism community to at least give us Tips as to where the story should be, uh, and we're going to be aggregating some of their work. There's a lot of good – I mean, don't get me wrong. There is a ton of great journalism happening about this stuff at the state and local level, and at least initially we want to we want to surface some of that for a national audience.
0: Right, and we should point out, in terms of the website, you haven't launched it yet. You're hoping to do that soon. We, but-
1: are, we are. We are now in the process of, of hiring – we hope about uh, six additional journalists to join to join me and my colleague, the publisher and executive editor, who's a, a great guy named David Myers, also was with me at CQ and Roll Call. Um, he's a member of the Press Club Foundation uh, board of longstanding, uh, but not the Press Club itself. Um, we're hiring. Uh, we're looking for money and politics reporter, we're looking for data visualization reporters. you know we're looking to, we're looking to staff up. we're looking to build the website and actually launch it uh, by the spring. In the meantime we do have uh, a little website, a little placeholder website called the firewall.us where you can sign up and receive at least an email newsletter uh, that my colleague and I are writing most days um, to, to sort of get people used to thinking about these stories. Uh, and get used to thinking about it and help us, you know, set the tone for for what they want to read, for what they think the hot stories are going to be.
0: And obviously, you start here in D.C. and you add employees over the years. Do you eventually hope to have employees spread throughout the country if you can?
1: That would be that would be terrific. Uh, that's I mean, there are certainly some some stringers, maybe or some correspondents around the around the country, or at least and freelancers who can cover this stuff. Um, that would be that would be terrific. Uh, that would be aspirational. I think for now we're going to focus on just getting our own house in order in the next couple of years. Build an audience. We sort of see our audience in a sort of th- three or four circles. The tightest circle are the people um, the people who already care about this stuff. It's a fragmented it's a fragmented niche market, right? There are all kinds of people who think that democracy needs fixing. But they're kind of a disparate group some people think the issue is ranked choice voting which is a fascinating topic where you you don't just pick one candidate or the other you rank you rank your candidates in the order of preference and then the person who gets the most number of if nobody wins a majority then you go to uh, then second place votes matter and you can get elected with a bunch of second place votes some people think that's the magic bullet for fixing democracy others think it's money others think it's redrawing the maps Others think it's voting rights there are a bunch of niche players in this in this world, uh, and they often don't talk to each other. Some of them are rivals of each other. We hope to make the firewall sort of a, a journalistic landing pad for this entire community, galvanize it, hope to drive the debate and make and make these issues more of an issue in 2020. I think there's a really ripe moment to make the issues of the broken democracy an issue in the presidential race next year. Um, so that would be sort of our, our first two-year target. Um, if that works. Then we would. Then hopefully um, we can grow our audience. I mean, even as we're doing this, we're trying to, to address sort of the niche of of players in the field. We also want people out in the country who, who maybe think, well, gosh, I'm interested in the broken democracy. Where do I go? You know, if you're an environmentalist, you might know to go to the Sierra Club. Um, if you're in favor of the Second Amendment rights, you know to go to the NRA. But if you're in favor of democracy reform. Is there a website that you know to go to right away? We would hope to be that destination.
0: As you cover the broken democracy, is this going to be a down-the-middle publication, not leaning left or right?
1: Uh, You bet. That is certainly our aim. Uh, We want to be journalistically, uh, certainly journalistically independent. We don't see ourselves, the way I say it is, we are rooting for the system to get better, but we're not rooting for any particular cause. I mean, we don't. Favor ranked choice voting. We don't favor any particular ways of fixing the campaign finance system. We want to explain to the country which can, which efforts are surging, which ones are stalling, which ones have momentum, why they have momentum, the arguments on both sides for 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 why certain uh, proposals to change the system. Are gaining steam and others are falling by the wayside. But no, we we don't have a rooting interest per se in any of these so-called reforms. We're even struggling with the word reform. People say democracy reform. Where I come from, uh, reform, journalistically, was sort of a dirty word. You didn't use the word reform if you're trying to play it down the middle, because one person's version of reform, if you said campaign finance reform, sure, Common Cause thought it was reform, but Mitch McConnell certainly didn't think it was reform. So just using the word reform sort of took took aside so we're struggling a little bit as we get off the ground with
0: whether to call these things reforms or not, let's talk a little bit about funding. Yes. I know obviously that's an issue for any journalistic organization, and I understand from your release you have the first two years covered. Is that correct?
1: Well, we have the first two years mostly covered. We'd like a little bit more. We just say we have a we have a, we have <laughs> a, we have most of our have to dos covered. We'd like some some need to dos and certainly some like to dos that we could use a little bit more funding. But yes, we, we feel comfortable that we're off the ground for the first two years. We have some generous uh, foundation money. Yet yeah, we are a not-for-profit, so it's it's foundation-funded. Some generous individuals that have chipped in as well. Um, we're looking for some more foundation money. Way down the road, do we think that we might change that model and become sort of a membership model and say, if you, you know, mugs, t-shirts, tote bags? I'm not so sure. Um, I don't. We're not going to take any advertising at the start. That's for sure because we feel like. We want, it. we want to create a clean site, uh, free of advertising, we rely on our funders' money to just let, let us explain journalistically to our new core of readers uh, what they should be paying attention to in this, in this space. And then we'll talk about other ways of raising money down the line.
0: What are the keys to success, in your opinion? Obviously, funding's an issue. Um, is it going to come down to good reporting? Is it a combination of those two? What do you think will determine whether this is successful? It's a
1: great question. I think I think obviously building an audience. You know, the audience, build, audience size matters. Building an audience, as I as I was alluding to before, building an audience that is beyond the sort of inside the Beltway or inside state the state house geeks who think about this stuff. Um, getting actual voters out in the country to read our stuff and say, hey that you have now explained to me uh, what these what this issue is. I was interested in uh, to go back I was interested in gerrymandering. I didn't really understand what gerrymandering was. you know now I understand why it's important. now I will either decide that I don't care about that's you know I understand why it's important but it's not for me or why I want to get active. So if we can if we can speak to the country, Uh, And 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 make this a part of the conversation in the next campaign. Then I think we will be off to a to a terrific start. As I as I said before, our clear sense is that there are people who have this a little bit miasmic belief that the system is broken, but don't know where to to you know put a toehold in and say, now I, here's where I want to go to understand this. Here's what I want to do, how I want to take action. If we can help them with that and grow an audience of, of civically engaged activist
0: voters, then we'll be real happy. David, we wish you the best of luck. Thank you so much. And thanks for being on Update One. It was great. David Hawkins has been the guest on this edition of Update One. I'm Mike Hempen. Thanks for listening. You have been listening to Update One, a production of the National Press Club's Broadcast Committee. You can comment on this show or any episode of Update One by going to facebook.com pressclubdc or on Twitter at pressclubdc. Thanks for listening to Update One.